everybody, and welcome to the Legion of Myth Weekly live stream, episode number 191, coming into existence. Lo, beware y'all, for tis birthed on the 1st of December, 2018. Ah, who is here today? Garthon, that's me, I'm Alex Garthamarsh. And with me, not today, not Brett Heathen, not Grisper, no, special, exciting guest host, Duncan Idaho. I and, am uh, evil universe heathen dog. <laughs> mirror universe heathen. Actually, <laughs> yeah. you would be mirror universe heathen dog. Yeah, mirror universe heathen dog. Yeah, it's like I I am generally happy about things, and discovery <laughs> is okay. <laughs> Discovery's good. I like discovery. <laughs> uh, I have no strong uh, opinions about Tilly, one way or the other. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I think people are allowed to disagree with me without me yelling at them and telling them they're dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that tardigrade looks like it's smiling. I just noticed that. It has a big old smile. What was that? I have an image of a tardigrade for you. Oh, ah, yeah. It's a smiley tardigrade. Very, it's a very neon tardigrade. Very, very 90s. Well, it's moodily lit. It's uh, <laughs> it's floating to a uh, My Chemical Romance concert. It's Yeah, it's floating above a city. It's like a giant dirigible. Ooh, I like that better. It, it It's a giant flying tardigrade, which means it has a lot of energy built up. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if it's going to be harnessing any of that and say a giant death laser coming out of the front of it. So that's just my feeling that's on that. I thought about putting some nacelles in the back of it, but. <laughs> oh, man. I actually got some requests from the family for T-shirts of a certain variety this <laughs> uh, awesome. Christmas. So, yeah, I am going to be putting those together. Um, and, yeah, that'll be fun. But, yeah, it's been yeah fun week. All right. So for Heathen Dog, see the dog. We have islands in the stream. That's what we are. No one in between. How can we be wrong? Uh, he's not here today, so I was able to change that to whatever I wanted it to be. Uh, so not a Darkest Dungeon overview? No, not a Darkest Dungeon overview. Instead, what we get are uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton lyrics. Because why? Oof. Why do you hate me, too? <laughs> I spread my hate equally. I mean, if Heathen Dog's listening, he just hits the mute button to that and just like, yep, I'm just going to let you guys suffer through that one. Ah, uh, Kenny Rogers. <laughs> uh, I grew yeah. up a little bit country, so I can't help it. I can't help that. I, re <laughs> I remember when Hee Haw was still on first run on TV, so I'm old. And like I said, yeah, the, none country. of that registered. <laughs> you're what this you're fortunate. Ah, oh, man. All right, the uh, in Garthon's comic poll, we're going to talk about Action Comics 1005, The Amazing Spider-Man number 10, and Heroes in Crisis number 3. Not in that order. I'm starting a new trend Ooh. for Garthon's comic poll. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to finish on the worst comic. I'm tired of doing that. <laughs> because it's always uh. like, why do you read comics if you hate them so much? Like, no, I liked the first comic a lot. But then you leave with the impression of, oh, it's all so terrible. <laughs> yeah, just that just sort of depressed, just extended silence right at the end of the bit. And it's just like, I remember when there was fun and there was light. <laughs> and I, did, I didn't know that they would actually just use the magic box to fix Secret Empire, but not really. There's brain cells oh. still dedicated to that. So yeah. yeah, that sounds like a pretty good... That sounds like a pretty good... What's, uh, good what's sad about the whole Secret Empire thing, since we're going to talk about it real quick and uh, we got time to kill the the only comic book still paying any attention to that the thing that that, that happened at all is Captain America which is fine it was a Captain America event yeah but no other comic even vaguely even sort of brings it up even comics written by Nick Spencer 
Oh. Don't mention it. You know, because he went on to he moved on to his uh, writing Spider Man, which we're going to be talking about today. So he moved over there, but it's never brought up in Spider Man. Well, that wacky stuff with Captain America. Nope. Nope. Even if Captain America shows up. Nope. No mention. Ah, and that's not a very good sign for an extended series where you have that opportunity to really have this big attention-grabbing event that everyone... Hey, Heathen Dog's in the chat. Hey, Heathen Dog. I like comics. Uh, I swear they talk about Nazi cap. But this is is entirely my fault. Um, But (laughs) anyway, though... It's one of those things where you have the opportunity, like everyone's paying attention to this thing. You've advertised it. You can do some big world building changes in these types of things. To then not do that is basically like, yeah, we just kind of did a thing. You might as well have just kept it to business as usual through that time span. Yeah, honestly, if you're if there's no lasting impact, and this was such a huge event, they sent out T-shirts and stuff to comic book stores and encouraged them to have uh, Hydra events, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this was a big push, and that was a terrible idea, too. Um, this was the major event, and now they don't mention it because, honestly, it was crap. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Speaking of t-shirts, though, hey, I got mine on. Ah, very nice. I'm not wearing mine tonight because it's in the laundry. Oh. And I didn't want you to smell me over the stream. So, the... Oh, congratulations. I'm wearing a, uh... I'm actually wearing a War Machine t-shirt tonight. Ah, still pretty good. Yeah, I like War Machine. Other than... (laughs) <laughs> that uh, one game. <laughs> uh, the computer game isn't good. I'm not fond of third edition. I could whine about that, but I'm not gonna. Maybe I will a little later. He likes to Sally. I'm high on meds right now, so Duncan, 20 more IQ points. Idaho is filling in tonight. Hey, that's what we said earlier. But we said more like 30. Uh, well, no, no. You said 20, and I said <laughs> maybe. I'm trying to question that one. Yeah, like it might be. <laughs> he says, um, yes, I watched the Thursday video. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> uh, uh, we love you, Heathen Dog. We love uh, you so much. Actually, today we just said that that Duncan is mirror universe Heathen Dog. Well, yeah, just kind of mild, and I can kind of do this, but not that well. And yeah, he said he will get. No, no, I, you can't get us both back. I was getting you back from what you've done to me. Oh, uh, yeah. That was evening the field. But oh, you know yeah. what? Whatever. I, I'm not no, going to no. be here next week, so he's going to bring it on to me. Oh yeah. So it's all fair. Now you can bring me on next week. I know he's the surgeon. He looks different now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds different too. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Heathen Dog is the stig back there. He's been, you know, he, he's he's been on a little bit of a diet. <laughs> a little bit of diet. And but he's, we're uh, keeping him in an isolation suit. That's it. There you go for his space adventures. Yes. In the RNG, we're going to talk about no more Daredevil and maybe some other things. We're kind of talk about that in the pre-stream. Talk about that. So. See, I was going to say, I had all sorts of, like, stuff saved by Heathen Dog surgery that I'm not going to use. Because that's, because, you know, because it was funny, but it was a little, little mean. Yeah. But I'll give a special thank you, though, to all of our current top subscribers, our November Twitch subscribers. Look at that. We're starting a new month, but it's only the first. Come on, give us a break. Uh, we thank you so much for everyone currently subscribed. We really, really do appreciate it. It really makes a difference. And a special thank you to our top donators through Streamlabs. It's Baldahart. Thank you so much. Our top patron, Jiren. Thank you so much. Uh, new month is coming, everyone. It's your chance to take those top spots, including from Zontrax, um, a.k.a. Zon, through Twitch. Cheers. All this can be you. You can find your five seconds of fame on the Legion Myth broadcast. Thank you very much. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment. 
As always, we have upcoming activities. We do have a giveaway coming up this month. Date to be decided. Ten sub-entries will activate Heathen Dog's Personal Reserve Crucial MX 500 250GB <laughs> SSD. He will give that away. That's a subscriber one, not just, you know, got to be a subscriber, not just a follower for that. Uh, a 20 subscriber entry. That means 20 current subscribers enter. He'll give away the SSD and an RX 580 GPU. You could basically build a computer. Well, need a few other parts. But that's a good start. With 10 followers, we'll activate entries, uh, activate giveaways for up to four different Steam games. Uh, previously given away video games, books, shirts, coffee mugs. We've done all that. And we will do it again. Uh, also, well, everyone know about Gen Con 2020 is coming up. Uh, the Legion of Us is going to be there. We hope you join us. You don't have to, of course. You could go and not join us. But if you go, you could join us. Uh, ticket registration is in January 2020. Signups are in May of 2020. And the actual event is in August of 2020. It's early, but start saving your pennies now. Have a couple less lattes and then have those lattes at Gen Con with the Legion of Myth. We don't drink lattes, but you could sit next to us while you do it. No, we drink instant coffee. Mm. <laughs> and we will talk about... Buckets of dice. Uh, yeah. And whether or not just buckets, just a literal bucket. I mean, that that's a great way to play a Warhammer. You just get a bucket like one of those things from Menards. Just that's jump right, your man. dice in there, boom, right out. Make it a make it a make a special occasion. All right. Of birds and bees, of sealer wax, of tardigrades and kings. And join the Legion. Join us on Discord. Follow us on Twitter. Watch us on YouTube. Watch us live on Twitch. That's always fun. Live is really the best. It really is. But if you can't, YouTube's good too. But if you're live, you could insult us right there to our faces. <laughs> Come on, Ethan Dog. We like it. It makes us feel like we're making a difference in the world. Uh, and, of course, the audio version is available through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, and find podcast aggregators everywhere. And I just like saying aggregators. Aggregators. It's like a carnivorous beast that puts things together. It's an aggregator. <laughs> and your support keeps going. You support through Patreon, Streamlabs, getting our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com, or cheer us through Twitch. The most direct way to let us know how you feel we are doing at that moment. It's a hard thing to stifle a sneeze. Insult you, challenge accepted. He the dog, you can't insult me. We've known each other too long. Because everything you insult me with is going to be the truth. And I will just shrug and say the truth about you. See? So none of that works. Oh, you'll just make little tardigrade cry. <laughs> Duncan will cry. Duncan will be. Duncan will let the fallout will hit Duncan. The shrapnel effect, uh, the blast radius, and he'll be sad for us. Yeah, I'm just gonna like from now on. It's just gonna be pictures of just crying tardigrades. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm gonna be drawing. Yeah, it's tar just like it's like, sad, it's it's like the sad clown paintings. It's I just was just about sad. to say that. <laughs> Find your milieu. You can even do a sad tardigrade in clown makeup crying. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh god. No, no, no. I I, I <laughs> You got to draw the line somewhere. That's that's a, yeah, that's a little too much. That's a little space John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a little much there. Uh Vaxley streams on YouTube because he's a little too adult oriented for streaming on Twitch. Uh he'll play a game and as he plays he talks with you the viewers about Anything you want, game-related, political-oriented, Max Leo does not need a filter. Well, he might need one, but he has not one. And you can share his particular mania when he streams Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Central. 
Uh, also, he's an intertopics, interesting hosts, interesting guests. Someday, maybe even me. Someday I might get the call. I can dream. <laughs> I can dream. I'm going to get there one day. One day I'll make it big, my friends. <laughs> and actually, it will talk to me on air. <laughs> and not just through emails to say stuff like, you suck, and please stop sucking. But I won't. I will continue to be this bad. Who did that song? That was Bloodhound Gang, most likely to suck. Why do I know that? Ah. <laughs> also, Algarian, who is not the most likely to suck, will stream on Twitch because he is awesome as Shroud of the Avatar, and you could be awesome alongside of him as he does awesome things. And shows you the insi insides and outsides of this game, how it works, how to play it. And as he streams, he also gives a lot of helpful and encouraging advice. Mm. So, just like Max Leo, but the opposite. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Gartha looks like a poor sad Hugh Hefner that lost all but his oldest bunny and she won't touch him anymore. <laughs> That's the look I was going for. Yeah, I mean, you got the robe there. This is my Star Trek robe. She's got this little Star Trek robe. Anyway. Even got braiding on the sleeves. Ooh. What rank? <laughs> captain. Aha. Because I am the captain of the bathrobe. When I sit on my chair, I am a captain. Uh, Which chair are we talking about? <laughs> soy Capitan. Soy Capitan. You know, uh, it's Kirk War robe, but only in the special extended edition that you, only us cool people saw at conventions. Anyway. Well, that, that green shirt he had was kind of a robe. It just kind of just. It was. It like folded pants. over. Yeah. yeah. Kind of really weird. It was weird. Oh, I always thought that was weird. Yeah. Like, why are you even wearing All of a sudden, that? he's wearing green. It's like he's green captain color. Well, you and I both know the story behind that. But yeah, it was weird. I, it looked green. I actually don't know the story behind that You don't? One. No. Oh, god. Why is it green? Um, actually, all the gold shirts in the TOS were green. Oh. The, st uh, the, the light green velour they used under the stage lights turned gold uh, when oh. picked up by the camera. If you saw it in person, it was green. But on the camera, it made it look gold uh, just by the processing and how the lights picked up. And when they went to color correct it, the color correcting people thought it was supposed to be gold, so they left it. And it just, that became the iconic idea. So when he put the green wrap on, that's the actual color of the shirt they're wearing. But because the I, fabric's different, it doesn't change the color. The Star Trek community has failed me. I've been living a lie all this time. I thought it was gold. I thought you knew that. I had no idea. Yeah, that's like Toss uh, ancient lore. Yeah. Yeah, because I've got books too, and it's just they never mention it. Yeah, it's uh, if you look like like read like the Nitpicker's Guide to Trek or various other uh, little little tidbit things, it's like, hey, actually, it's supposed to be green, but the gold became the iconic color, and then just everything shifted to that. And honestly, it looks yeah. better than the green anyway. Yeah, it's a good color matchup, and I've tried to sort of pull green back into it in a couple limited fashions, but it is really hard to get that to sync. Mm -hmm. Um really well i kind of found it like worked kind of well for like uh starfleet academy in certain situations yep. but it's just kind of like yeah so with Romulan. yeah you'll never you know this they never actually refer to what color his shirt he's wearing but uh, the uh the original velour was actually light green and the stage lights turned it gold so that yeah. wrap was actually the same color we need to, uh, the more you know yeah uh, but you can learn exciting things like that, but about Shroud of the Avatar, when Algarian <laughs> streams, 
Monday, Tuesday, just every other day. He loves to stream yeah. Shadow of the Avatar and help people out, and it's really great to see. Uh, great community there. Speaking of community for Shroud of the Avatar, if you're a role player, you should go to Roleplayer of the Avatar, rpota.com, the premier site for role playing with Shroud of the Avatar. And if you need help with Shroud of the Avatar, and Algarian isn't playing at the time, you're like, where can I go? Sodahelp.org, the premier help site for Shroud of the Avatar. Did you know that uh, gameplay in Soda is green when you put on night vision? <laughs> See? <laughs> now you know! Yeah! See? Helpful hints like that. Uh, unlike if you watch uh, me playing Star Trek Online, I'll give you helpful hints like make the science make them dead. And, you know, get if. The... Why don't you get in the black hole? Get in the hole! That's your home! Oh, your home killed you. Uh, oh. Lessons of life. So, if you want actual help build, making a build, the, um, Garthon and Heathen Dog's team ups are actually great because Heathen Dog can tell you how to make a good build. <laughs> yeah he's got it down pretty well oh, he um, knows his stuff and i always appreciate him and he you know my builds are okay he gives me advice but it really is great to see when people come in he's able to help them out especially newbies he's really great with that yeah definitely yeah roundtable it's just kind of like we like the fun things we yeah. like doing the fun stuff and then you know heathen dog is actually like here's how you do a competent build you don't need shields <laughs> you don't need shields and you don't need a balloon gun that's where you're going wrong. Thinking you need <laughs> the, the, the blue power's gun. inside you this whole time. <laughs> Be brave. Oh. Take shields off completely. Just take them off. Take them off. There's a waste of your energy. Regenerate. Uh, it's nice when he does his builds. And now a disclaimer. Probably should have started out with this one. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire vast, powerful, and illuminatus League of Myth organization. While you make a small effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasional use of foul or even offensive language. Thank you for your understanding. Continued viewership. Like, subscribe, comment. Uh, the little things in life. They really are what matter, unless unless you can't afford them. And then, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> the big things start mattering a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. So, let's talk about comic books. Everyone? Everyone good on that? Ready for it? Coming? Yes, Garthon's comic pull. I want that yeah. louder. I want that louder. We're doing it again. Doing it louder. Okay. Yes. Heathen Dog gives pro tip 146. Don't give your bridge officers non-damaging weapons. They will still use them as they watch you die. That's actually true. Uh, like like certain like certain things that just go. Yeah, you can actually give this to your bridge officers, and they will do nothing. Yep, <laughs> they will just... run around trying to shoot. Well, they can't swap out weapons. They don't have anything else. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, comic books. Yeah. Books. Books. Breathe in the good. Okay. I need a moment. Heroes in Crisis number three. Written by Tom King. Art by Clay Mann and Lee Weeks. Colors by Tomu Mori. Cover by Mann and Mori. Tom King does not deserve these artists. I say this now. He does not deserve the artists he gets to work with. He works with Michael Yannon. He works with Clay Mann and Lee Weeks. These guys are freaking rock stars. Tom King does not deserve them. And there are people out there right now. I don't have any show any art yet. I don't care. 
There are people out there right now are going to tell you, oh, Tom King's the best. He gets into the psychological era. No. No, he does not. This is how Tom King writes every single freaking superhero. Oh, the agony inside. I deal with such monumental issues. I went to brush my teeth. Oh, the memories. Oh, the internal trauma. Every freaking character. And this is Tom King getting the opportunity to spend his entire life and wasting yours reading it as he just writes out why every single character in conflicts is so mentally screwed up they can't even fill out an insurance form without breaking into tears. <laughs> I'm down. I'm just down. <laughs> Sorry. Just... No, that's good. That's good. We won. We won. God dang, Tom King. Oh. And he can write well. Naval gazing disease has spread. It's this guy. It's him. It's Tom King. And they keep... Look at this art. This is good art. This is good. Even though these guys just sitting here staring at a camera and talking, there's still, like the panel on the left, there's still some action to it. There's some art. There's one stupid line where Lagoon Boy, like, puffs up his chest like a blow. He goes, oh, that, that's new. Okay, that's a, that's a line from... Uh, Princess the Frog from Disney. All right. I guess that's funny. But every single character, Tom King is the Typhoid Mary of bad writing. Yes. Yes. He, uh, I don't know if it's bad. It's just a complete understanding of these characters or complete disregard of how they've always been. Now everyone is riddled with trauma and indecision. And he cannot write Booster Gold. And this is it, because there was just, within the last year, uh, Jurgens wrote an excellent Superman Booster Gold arc where you find out that Booster Gold is actually only playing incompetent this whole time. And he's actually has a job of like a time cop, essentially. Not, that's not how they put it. Basically, he's, his job is to maintain the time stream to make sure it doesn't collapse. That's what he does. And it's just his guys that he's back here. As, as, uh, I'm Booster Gold, the greatest hero you've never heard of. You know, Tom King does not understand Booster Gold's a character. All Booster Gold does in the sign says, Thanks, great to be here. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. Neat. You know, he's just an idiot. The entire time. Um, ever since Breakfast Club came out, says Ligarian, Hollywood's entertainment type media has slowly morphed to a giant teen angst melodrama. Yeah, and this is good art. I'm, every panel of this book looks great. And in this one, they're going back to... In the previous issues... Issue one ended with, with uh, everyone at this retreat where superheroes go to get mental counseling from robots thanks to a combination of bat of Kryptonian tech and Batman programming and Wonder Woman heart or something. She had some. They had to say she did something. Um, why? Wonder Woman has nothing to do with grief counseling or computer programming or. Super space tech. You know what? She's an Amazonian princess who may or may not have been made of clay and punches people in the face. She doesn't need to also bust out her mad grief-counseling robot skills. Okay? Anyway. So, none of this even existed. Tom King made up all this crap just so he could have an excuse to write more superheroes being idiots and being so sad inside and always being traumatized by what's going on around them. Should he be writing for superheroes at this point with this type of I stuff? I don't think so, but oh, some people, if you go start looking at other reviews of like the, especially these Heroes of Crisis books, it's very divided. There's a lot of 
uh, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5. Oh, Tom King's the best ever. He gets into the... And then there's a lot of, like, twos and ones. Like, this is depressing crap. Heroes do not do this. He does not understand these characters at all. All this is is his having a, him having a gore fest, murdering every single beloved character in the DC Universe, which is what's happening. Yeah. And I don't know where this is going, where it's... One, one reviewer referred to it as Tom King's glorious superhero snuff fest, which is what it is. Yeah, I mean, emotionally, just actually, it just seems like that type of thing, where it's just trying to set up a... I don't know yeah. what he's going for, but in the at the end of the first thing, the first issue, it looks like all these superheroes who are in grief counseling or like psychological trauma counseling all got murdered. And, and Booster Gold is the fighting Harley Quinn, who is somehow incredibly overpowered because every time Tonky was Harley Quinn, she could go toe-to-toe soups, which is <sighs> insane. Um... And that was like her and Booster Gold have been in a fight, and Booster Gold's like, "Why'd you kill them all?" He said, "Oh, I didn't do it, Sugar. You did." He's like, <gasps> "And I'm like, bullcrap." Um, second issue is more of the same. In this, you get more flashbacks, but you see Booster Gold on his first day is like walking out, and he finds that Harley Quinn. He walks out to watch Harley. Well. Harley Quinn has killed, like, Lagoon Boy. And then, like, Wally West runs out. Oh, my God! So And then Harley Quinn hits him in the head with a hammer, and he dies. And Booster Gold says, what? What? Which, by the way, what? Wally frickin' West got taken down by Harley Quinn with a big wooden hammer. Like, he couldn't speed force to notice, hey, I feel a pressure wave coming. Move out of the way, step neatly behind, knock her unconscious with one punch, and that'd be it. Which is what should happen is frickin' Wally West, who is pretty much the best Flash. Yeah, Quinn Sucker Punch Wonder Woman. It should have been like Sucker Punch a concrete wall. Exactly. But Tom King is writing it, and Tom King, in his private time, paints his face like Harley Quinn and tucks his stuff between his legs and says, I'm a pretty one, Mr. J. Right? So, all right, that was a little far. So, apparently, Harley Quinn could just do anything when Tom King writes her, including Sucker Punch Wonder Woman getting away with it, killing Wally West, and then getting into a fight with Booster Gold. It just... What? She killed people who were invulnerable. It's possible to swerve, and it's not Harley Quinn at all. It's some sort of weird space alien or something. It's Parasite in a Harley Quinn suit. I don't know. But it's awful. It's awful. It doesn't make any sense. And all this is... What is Harley Quinn's actual superpower? None. She's a crazy peak athlete. That's it. As far as I know, unless they totally rewrote her character and gave her superpowers at some point. As far as I know, she's just a crazy peak athlete. Like Joker. His power is he's crazy peak athlete. Her power is being abused like a champ. Pretty much. <sighs> so. Oh my gosh. this It's basically that all of these books are an excuse for Tom King to write long psychological profiles where every superhero hates themselves and needs counseling, including Batman. (laughs) Captain America of domestic abuse. (sighs) So I don't understand. I don't even know where this book is going or why. It's boring. 
the only the only way reason the book isn't boring is because it enrages me so much, and I'm too busy going, you know, yelling, you know, bovine excrement every other page, right? Except I don't say the words bovine excrement. I say other words for that. So, ah, art is fantastic. Everything else, not so much. Everything else, not so much. So you would think, fantastic art. You know, it would average out to a 2.5, but in no way would I ever condone anyone reading this book. One star. Run very far away from this book. If anyone tells you Heroes in Crisis is a great series and you need to read it, they need counseling and are sad individuals on the inside. Or they're just really dumb and like the art. And they think it's cool Harley Quinn killed someone. Okay. So the sponsor's not very bright. But if they're reasonably bright, they're insane. Elgarian says, I think I have introspective, whiny story writing rest of some introspective, whiny readers. What percentage of conquerors might click with that? Makes you wonder. Or they hate you. Yeah, that's true. They might hate you and get you to read it. Like I said, the thing is, you could do introspection, and it becomes very interesting. Um, Snyder was good at writing Batman that way. He was introspective, but he wasn't whiny boohoo, I'm always standing on a gargoyle in the rain, my parents whine, whine, whine. But Tom King, that's all he writes. Even the War of Jokes and Riddles was awesome right up until like the very end where I'm the Batman and the Batman will tell you that the Batman is sad because one time Batman Batman almost stabbed Joker. <laughs> you know, it was, right, it was great right up until that moment. Because Tom King cannot let anything off without someone crying. Especially Batman. <laughs> Batman must cry. That's, I think that's written above Tom King's desk. Batman must cry. So. Uh, I just realized I had muted myself. <laughs> yeah, I'd wondered about that. I was talking. Like, it's funny because you could just see me talking and it's like, oh, I was just trying to do a Batmanism. Like, why is he talking over me? It's not nice. No, I was wondering why you're so quiet. Like, wow, he must really disagree with me on this. No, 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 no. I, I was just like, oh my god, just oh my god. This is. I mean, this doesn't make any sense as far as like characters and setting goes. Because even if you want to do something like this, you want it to counterpoint against something. You don't want it right. It's completely in the realm of naval gazing. You right. need people who aren't naval gazing, or else it really just feels like a really weird stage drama which kind of feels like it is it's almost like there's just this artificial theater of reality yeah and that this book is <laughs> yeah elgarian says heroes in mental crisis yeah that's what the whole title is heroes in crisis is not the crisis isn't the heroes being attacked it's their own internal trauma and <sighs> and that's why everyone loves the marvel movies and hates Zack snyder's dc i shouldn't say everyone the majority loves the bright and generally cheerful Marvel Universe in the movies and hates DC, super dark, everything is sad, Superman must punch, must, must punch Batman. Yeah, and the closest like certain parts of it have become come to being likable is when it does actually have a sense of humor about itself right. at certain points. Like um, actually... the most successful, as we said before, the most successful DC film is Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. which is hopeful. Not necessarily cheerful. It's like it's there's World War One going on, but it's hopeful. Uh, it gives it gives rise to heroes fighting evil, saving lives, 
bringing love and hope and not just, it is dark. Do you bleed? You will. You know, there's none of that stupid crap in it. Yeah, it's Batman as Rorschach in a unironic take on the DC universe as the Watchmen universe. That's what it really feels like they're going for there. Yeah, so I just hate this series. And I don't understand it. There is actually one kind of interesting scene where Lagoon Boy, uh, when he's in the Teen Titans, they were attacked by a Fritwitch villain. And he took like a laser through the chest and almost died. And it was a big moment in the books. Like his teammates died around him and he almost died. And it has, shows him like dealing with that. The way that this thing works is like you can go to like to this holodeck and whatever you want will appear. And by getting what you want, you like can put yourself in situations you like to work through your trauma or something. They never explain that. They just let you go in the room and get whatever you want, right? And Lagoon Boy is reliving the moment where he got zapped through the chest over and over and over again, hoping maybe to find an end where he feels like, okay, he can finally come out of it. And that was actually kind of like a well-done scene. You can see where Lagoon Boy's kind of messed up from it. He felt survivor's guilt. Okay, I get that. And it's, and it's Lagoon Boy, so who cares? But his reaction... I... And then when Harley actually kills him, he ends up laughing. He's like, oh, I guess I do finally die now. And you can see this when he was broken that badly, That why that makes sense. I'm wondering with how many people they're killing off in this one, if they're going to do the it's not real ending and it's basically just been that hollow like this whole time it, with a particular <sighs> character that they can say this is what you really wanted it's yeah. like batman or something like that that's it's like oh, you really wanted to just that get... has to be the end game where that's what harley quinn really is dreaming about right because yeah, she like since she's been a hero sort of for a while what she really wants is to murder and kill but i mean when it shows booster gold he basically just ends up when they explain to me, he sits there for a while, then he ends up with like himself, sitting across from himself in a chair, and he's just been salting himself for a while. It's like, wow, you really hate Booster Gold, don't you? Uh, it's just, uh, one star, don't buy it, don't... Yeah. Let me read it for you, let me suffer that trauma, and I will just tell you how bad it is, and you can laugh at me. And oh, there's nothing... Oh, gosh, it's so bad. You are performing a valuable community service. That's how I feel at this point. I must have, I'm doing penance for something. But it has to go up from here, right? It does. Yeah. All right. Action Comics number 1005, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Ryan Sook, colors by Brad Anderson, covered by Ryan Sook. Art's pretty good. Uh, Ryan Sook it does all the art, not the colors. Uh, art is good. It uh, The... The way he draws Superman has a very 1940s feel to it. Uh, it's very, it's very much a clearly a modern style. But the way Superman looks, he mm. looks like something out of the 40s, and I appreciate that style. You know, uh, even down to the part where at one part he's talking with an informant. It's actually the deputy police commissioner, not sorry, the deputy fire marshal that we met earlier, and. She met Superman. She was like, I have a friend who's a reporter you might want to talk to and gave her Clark Kent's card. So it's actually really neat scene where she comes like, I had a mutual friend who said I should talk to you about something came up. He's like, does this mutual friend have a red cape? You know, not like, oh, I know who you are. It's like, who is this mutual friend you're speaking of? You know, so like, all right, he's playing that. That was great. And then you get this. A nice character moment where. He's like, OK, let me do some digging. 
It's like, you can handle this, right? Without connecting to me, well, have you talked to your boss, the fire chief? He plays golf with the mayor, so I came to you. And he's like, ah, you were right to call me, and he winks. That's a very 1940s Clark Kent thing to do. I loved it. It's a nice character thing. Uh, overall, story-wise, they're actually building a pretty interesting plot with some wannabe Illuminati types where they're creating like a criminal society where they all help each other out. And they're all kind of mid-range players, but they have this super on their team called the Red, uh, the Red Mist or the Red Cloud. Um, who in the other panel on the right, you can see the Red Cloud actually attacks Superman finally this issue. And it's just like this cloud with a vaguely feminine shape and like starts burning him and attacking him and he runs. Because what the hell are you going to do? It lights things on fire. You're going to start punching a cloud? <laughs> Breathe it in? What? So he just, you know, takes off real quick to figure out what to do. He starts looking, you know, extra vision tries to find it. And then you see the red cloud go off and it coalesces into... One of the women who was a new hire at the Daily Planet, who's been giving him a hard time, who also has figured out that he's that Clark Kent is Superman. Hmm. She had suspicions from stuff going on, and then she brought in a sliver of kryptonite, which she got from the criminal. At first, she thought she was like a lower underling in this criminal organization, but she managed to get a sliver of kryptonite from him, which she brought in her purse. And then, you know, Clark's like, oh, God, I'm so sick today. And he's like, hmm. Hmm. And he actually saw it. So he, there's a lot going on here. Like he knows that she knows type thing, but she doesn't know that he knows she knows. Um, so, but she comes out. It's like, Oh my God, I just took a Superman. Ah, I'm not, you know, she's basically mentioned, tells her how awesome she is. He didn't really fight, but he did run. So I can see why she's feeling high on herself. Um, this has been a long kind of drawn out story. He's doing a nice slow burn with it. Uh, they finally mention, you know, uh, the last couple issues, him and Lois Lane have gotten back together. Brian Michael Bendis is trying to have it both ways, where him and Lois are together, but not together, so he could write a bunch of separate Superman stuff that I ever have to wonder about Lois Lane. Jurgis never had that problem. Now I'm talking about something like X. Well, you know, my ex-girlfriend could do that. So, uh, But yeah, Jurgens, uh who probably is one of the best Superman writers there was. Just really seemed to understand the character. Uh, yeah, he didn't have a problem with that. But I liked this book. I liked the art. I like the general story arc. I like how there's both a Clark Kent investigation going on with a Superman investigation at the same time. And they are linked, but you don't... Now, as a reader, you know the clear link. But Superman doesn't. And so I like where this is going so far. It's been really interesting. It's been slow. The first couple of books, I was like, all right, what the hell's going on? But it's been slow, but it's getting interesting. Because you're starting to see, like, the criminal organization starting to get some cracks. They're starting to, like, Superman's pressuring a little too much. It's not just a, I'm a big bad guy, Superman punched in the head, and that's it. So, I've been enjoying it. I, I like this. I'm not going to say it's the best comic ever or the best Superman book ever, but I've been enjoying Bendis' run so far. Not loving, but enjoying so with that, it gets three stars. I liked yeah. the art. I didn't love it. I really liked it. Yeah. There's a, there's... Go ahead. Oh, yeah. It just it had a really nice contrast, but at the same time, wasn't it was dark, but it wasn't dark in tone. Yeah. It was like the mood. It was just sort of serene with what you're showing yeah. there. And there are some other 
nice panels, but this book had a a lot of people complain about this book. Like it had like action comics with no action. Yeah, there was always there was no fight scene. There was drama. Actually, there was this fight with the question early in the book, but there's drama going on, and that's what brings you back. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to know what's going on with everything. I wonder where, just how linked in all this is, and maybe this isn't what I think it is. You know, so Bendis is good at that. So I good like it. Good setup. Um, when I recommend someone read it, I wouldn't tell them not to. Like, hey, you're a Superman fan, yeah, go for it. It's kind of a slow burn though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, three stars. I like it. Don't love it. But I like it. All right. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 10. Written by Nick Spencer. Pencils by Umberto Ramos and Michelle Bandini. Inks by Victor Olazaba. That's a fun name. And Michelle Bandini. Colors, Edgar Delgado and Eric Arcidiega. Cover by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. I want to say this cover has the worst art in the, of the entire book. Same artist, but this cover just sucks. Like, yeah. the anatomy is crap. The pose is crap. And just, I don't know what it's going for. It's kind of like that police line, but it takes a lot of interpretation. Yeah, it doesn't also, like... I mean, Black Cat is stolen the cover, is what it looks like. Mm. But why is she there? I, th- I guess it's a joke. And also, in the, the storyline has been that the Thieves Guild, an ancient secret society, has stolen, like all these artifacts instantaneously from heroes around the world. They stole Thor's hammer. And before you say that that's impossible, Thor does not have Mjolnir anymore in the comics. So other people can pick it up. Mm. Uh, Captain America's shield. Basically, all this... What are the faded out blue lines on the cover? That is what you... The uh, artist stock. They're actually trying to show, like, look, it's just a blank art page. That's why you see the blank art page these for cover submissions. That's what it is. So they're trying to like be really meta about it. So like in the book, they stole everything. So that's why in this cover, they stole everything. It it kind of works for me. I just think that it's not very well drawn. No. The art in the book, same artist, is much better drawn. <laughs> I don't know why the cover. Your best art should be in the cover. Honestly, because that's what draws people in. Even if it's a bait and switch where you have a total, wholly different artist draw it, I hate that. But at least you want a good looking cover. The worst offender this week actually was uh, Red Sonia. I didn't review that book, but the cover is so incredibly bad, I could not believe it was on a comic book. If I saw that just sitting on a store shelf, I would not buy it. But anyway, back to this book. The. So the Thieves Guild has stolen all the stuff. Uh, Black Cat has recruited Super, uh, sorry, Spider-Man. Would be better if she recruited Superman. That'd be cool. But <laughs> she recruited Spider-Man to help her out. It's like, hey, these people stole everything. We can get it back. But I need a second. I need your help. Because you're stealthy and stuff. You can help me out. And he's like, well, are you getting it? She's like, well, I'm actually a member. Because Black Cat's father, her, uh, this is actually her character's history. Her father was a thief who was a member of the Thieves Guild. And she's been a thief since she was a kid as well. So, makes sense. Um, also, an interesting sub-story going on is Mary Jane has gotten back with Peter, but having issues with... Once again, the issues with uh, him running off for superhero stuff starting to rear Ted again, which is why they always end up breaking up. 
Except for that time that they made a deal with the devil. Uh, so that the world forgot who he was. And Aunt May would be alive. And it just cost him his marriage. Other than that, but anyway, we'll actually talk about that later. Hmm. So she ends up talking with Jarvis because, you know, uh, and he tells her about he actually runs a support group for people who are in relationships, best friends with such and such with superheroes. They can talk about their problems. It's an anonymous meeting. And when you walk uh, into the place, everyone gets anonymized. Like their voice is modulated, uh, their faces get pixelated uh, due to Stark technology and Doctor Strange. And, because, and also, at the instant everyone walks out of the room, they forget what everyone else said. They'll have vague recollections, but they can't remember from Doctor Strange's magic. So it's a safe place for these you know, friends and family of superheroes to walk in and talk about their problems with other friends and families of different superheroes without giving away any anonymity, without giving away any names. On the one hand, it's really dumb. The other hand, it's really awesome. It's also a mirror to what's happening in Heroes in Crisis, except it's not insane, and they're not <laughs> killing anyone. And it makes sense Jarvis would set this group up because he's been with the Avengers since the beginning, and he's had a lot of problems. But what's neat is in this group, you can actually recognize if you're a big comic nerd who a lot of these people are in the group. Like... uh. Above Mary Jane's head on the left, you can see the kind of chubby guy in a blue T-shirt. That's Gonky, who's Miles Morales' best friend. You know, a lot of the, all these people are identifiable as characters from other comic books. So it's, that's kind of neat. But she ends up... At first she says no, but then she's going in. And she kind of lays down as the book progresses, you know, goes back and forth between the stories. About how, you know... There's always been something happening. Like, he'll go off and get in danger and she's worried about him. And sometimes the danger comes to her. And like she'll see it's like when Venom attacked her. And he's always there, but there's always that thing. It's a nice kind of breakdown of her situation. Where she's never been great at that kind of stuff. And even when she started struck out on her own and got a job doing important stuff with, she doesn't say, but with the Stark Industries she still was involved in his world somehow. And she loves and wants to be with him. And she thinks she's finally accepted that. And it's, it's, it's a really nice breakdown. You know, she says, my name is, we don't have do names and I'm love the superhero. And she starts talking about it. It's actually a really nice set, setup. And eventually the ultimate conclusion is she trusts him. You know, they're in love and they'll make it work. It, it's nice. It's actually really sweet. Well, while this, the back and forth with this is, Spider-Man's ex-girlfriend, Felicia Hardy, the Black Cat, and Spider-Man are secretly invading the Thieves' Guild to get all the stuff back. And they show up there, and like, and of course they walk into a trap. And like, ah, oh, Felicia, you can't believe you betrayed us and brought, brought Spider-Man with us. Which brings the funny line of uh, uh, Spider-Man with a hyphen. I can tell you're not saying the hyphen. There's a very brief pause. It's, it's not one word. People forget the... Yeah, he goes off a little much on it, but I find it funny. Um, and they're like, we want, we're going to get all the stuff back. You can't take all the stuff from the superheroes. You can't. It's a bad idea. You're going to bring them all down on you. It's like, yeah, they'll never find us. He's like, and tell you what, I'll let you have half of it back. 
and the other half we're going to destroy because that, you know, it's ours. We stole it. We'll give back half. We get it. It's ours. And they need to pay their fee to us. We get half their stuff. It's like, no, no, it's not going to happen. And, you know, it. And Felicia Hardy, actually, the reason she's trying to steal all the superhero stuff back is not because she loves superheroes, but she actually goes down and says, no, 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 this is too far. Some of the stuff is fair game, but you want to steal skate, Night Thrasher skateboard? Fine. Don't care. But some of these items are needed to save and protect lives. We don't steal that. That's not who we are. That's not who I am. And I thought that was a good point. That brings back Felicia's character in that she is a thief, but she doesn't want to hurt anyone. She's not above it. Uh, and I think it's a nice, because I hated when Dan Slott was writing her as a gang lord. I never thought that fit her character. And she's gone back to an older style uniform, which I like better than that stupid weird one with the panels and the cat eyes on the shoulders. That was stupid. Um, well, she's going back to her old costume. Well, a variant. It's much closer. And so they end up getting into a fight. And there's their fight with giant gang, and they're getting whooped. And it's like, oh my gosh, we need to get back up. Oh, but no one where we are. So I was like, wait, I got an idea. And you see him, like, web something. You don't know what it is. Which then goes to Reed Richards and Tony Stark. Like, okay, all of our stuff's just stolen. Like, all the superheroes, like, gathered up, you know? Captain America's there. The champs are there. Miss Marvel's there. Captain Marvel's there. Like, all of our stuff is missing. We're trying to figure out what it is. But apparently it's been sealed extra-dimensionally. We can't... But don't worry. Me, Reed Richards, and Doctor Strange are all working on the most... Impressive tracking algorithms the spells ever known to man. And we will find... And then Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan, raised her hand. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, what, what? Wait, we're, we're in the middle of me. What? What is it? Uh, my phone was stolen. Like, yeah, we know. We all... No, no, no. No, no. I, I turned on the track my phone app and uh, it just activated. <laughs> and you see Stark and Reed Richard is like, oh, damn it. And then you see you see Spidey with the phone, like, yes, yes! Because she grabbed the phone and turned it on. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciated that. It was dumb. Cause, it's a good moment. Yeah, and at that point, like, they're actually surrounded, and it looks like they're about to get beaten. And the head of the Thieves Guild, uh, the woman in red, talks to Bleacher Hardy, said, you know, goes to her and says, you're beaten now, you can't. It's like, no, there's a whole pile of superheroes about to be here in any single second. She's like, impossible. They'll never find her location. Yeah, I just activated this phone. She's like, I don't care. And then you see one of her subordinates come over and whisper, 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 whisper. Oh, well, this is embarrassing. Fine, Thieves Guild vanish. And they all just leave. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's hilarious. Um, it's dumb, but it's funny. You know, mm-hmm. like they didn't account for someone to turn their phone on and get a phone tracking app. It's also possible that when they came in, they left a door open, which opened up the... Uh, the Faraday cage they had in the place, so they were able to do it. You know, who knows? Yeah. But, uh, of course, like, seconds after that, boom, every superhero, like, teleports in. They're like, all right! Like, what are you two doing here? Like, hey, we found your stuff! Uh, the ending takeaway, though, is actually interesting in that I... The reason the Thieves' Guild did this is because in the 1920s, in Prohibition, the Thieves' Guild had respect. Anytime anyone stole something in New York City, they had to stop at a fountain and drop off, like, I think it was 20% of the cut. And that would be their protection to the Thieves Guild. And over time, people just started considering superstition, and they stopped doing it. And the Thieves Guild finally was like, okay, you don't believe in us anymore? We'll show you why you should. So they stole all... 
That's why they did this, to show they were back and they were taking it as crap. But at the end of this, super, everyone, you know, looks like justice prevailed and all that. Soups and Black Cat are talking. Not Soups. Spider-Man and Black Cat are talking. And he says, well, at least we beat them. And she's like, I don't think that was their goal. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, they, what were they going to do with all that stuff? They don't care. They were trying to send a message. And you actually, like, see this, like, seed of, like, these two thugs. Like, all right, wait, wait, we got to make a stop. And one thug's like, well, what? Like, no, man. Yeah, we just knocked over the armored car, but we need to drop this here. They drop a bunch of money in the fountain. The one you saw in the 1920s flashbacks. It's like, the thieves feels back, man. And I don't care if they tell me superstition. I'm protecting myself. And then they leave. It's like, oh, okay. They just want to send a message. So they get their cut again. It's like, all right, that's pretty smart. I'll get that. Make a big statement. Like, if we could do this to Thor, you think you're above us? So, I liked that. Mm -hmm. But they also worked in a really nice character moment. Um, while Mary Jane is kind of talking about, like, her life, what's going on, and her relationship with uh, Spidey, at the end of all this, up on the rooftop, Spider-Man and Black Cat are talking. And... Uh, I want to say more of a... I don't need the exact word, but basically she says... Uh, glasses are sideways. Just a moment. Uh, but she tells him, you know what? I don't remember. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. I, Spidey's like, well, I, I, thought, I thought I made a better impression than that. Talk about how they were going out. I mean, I'm no gambit, but no, no, you don't. That's not it. I thought, anyway, I can't remember who you are under the mask. Which is referring back to when he made the deal with the devil and everyone forgot who he was. It even mm. affected her, who he went out with for like years. It's like, ah, yeah. So, like I kind of told a few billion people too many my secret identity. It ended badly. So with some help, I figured out a way to make everyone forget. It's like, everybody? I'm not everybody. We were together. Now I can't, I can't remember what your face looks like. What your name is. You have any idea how that feels? It's not that I'm hung up on you, you know. Everyone always thinks that, but I'm not. Sure, I tease it sometimes, but we did share some real feelings, and like it's like a part of my life is missing. I deserve to remember. I I deserve better than that. And I thought that's actually really nice. You know, that actually goes back to her how her character had been for years. She is a thief. She's not a bad person. It's kind of like the Catwoman. She's not really a bad person. I always thought Felicia Hardy was more vulnerable than Selina Kyle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Peter Parker does end up being like, hey, you know, my name is Peter. This is what I look. Pulls off his mask. He says, hey, uh, you can still keep calling me Spider because that makes you sound like super cool. Like like I'm a super cool spider. Like a like super cool biker, you know. And they have a nice moment together. Where it kind of like validates their relationship. It's over, but it validates that it happened. That, you know, her position. It, I think that like, character-wise it'll help like had a lot and then the it goes back to Peter going home to Mary Jane he's like hey how was your day and he actually tells her I ended up teaming up with a black cat and I told her who I was because she couldn't remember you know I, I, I don't want I don't want to hurt you by doing this but she was a friend and she was really hurt she couldn't so and she's like you know I look I'm not jealous I understand and I thought that was nice that Mary Jane was big enough to say, okay, that's fine. I understand. Like, she's accepted this weird other life he lives. 
and he knows he's not going back to her. And of course, the the big stinger at the end is there's been this ongoing thing with this crazy person made of bugs or something. It, like you've seen him like pop up through ever since through Nick Spencer's run. You don't know if it's to him or her. You don't know what's going on with this person, but they say we made a deal and like crazy things happening and bugs are everywhere. But you see this person, like, her? How dare you reveal his secret to her? No one deserves to know. Uh, whatever, whatever the final line of, like, eh, ever, but soon, someday soon, it'll be just me and you. It's like, um, so apparently you could spy on Peter Parker through a magic mirror or something. I don't know. I don't get this bad guy who's covered in bugs. I don't get it. Yeah. But compared to what Nick Spencer did to Captain America, his Spider-Man run has been fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah, I mean, this is this is just great character development, great moments, great plot development, right. too. I mean, just with the, use, the creative use of non-superhero things. Right, to... which is exactly what people said he was going to do with Captain America when he got yeah. that role. And he, instead, he took a giant dump on Captain America and wiped his butt with it. Um, but Spider-Man, he's been fantastic with. Dan Slott was great with Spider-Man, except for that last year where he, you could tell he was phoning it in and just didn't want anything to do with it. Um now Dan Slott is doing a good job writing Iron Man. Nick Spencer did a crap job with Captain America. Is now doing a great job writing Spider-Man. So this book had some good action in it, had good character development in it, had something for everyone, right? And I really liked everything in this book. It pulled in things from history while still being very current. Ah, this was a fantastic book. Has a weird it, teaser it, at the end of The Mysterious Villain. Really, really like Cover sucks. Let's just say so, that. It's gonna uh, be... This is going to be Baldahar's favorite grade. Four stars. Four stars. Four stars for the Amazing Spider-Man. Number 10. Really a fantastic book. Not super fantastic. Didn't super love it, but really, really enjoyed it. Um, not, it it's actually not a bad jumping on point. Actually, Nishi not would be better. But if you want to read Amazing Spider-Man, it's a good time to start reading it. It's really going well right now. And it's also a great time not to read Heroes in Crisis. <laughs> Wait, new, it's going to be the new opening of the show. Hey, <laughs> welcome everyone. Don't read Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, pretty much. God, how does Tom King... There are so many people who are just in love with this dude. What's funny is... All right, not funny. What's wrong? Um, at a convention, Tom King had to hire a bodyguard because he had death threats because of something he did with Batman or something. Because of his writing of Batman. Oh, the uh, the wedding. How he, how he teased the wedding of Batman and then it didn't happen. He got death threats over that. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. I'm sorry, comic nerds. That's just a level of dumb I can't even comprehend. I mean, I complain about comic books. I love good comic books. I hate bad comic books. But in no way do I ever think that the people responsible for bad comic books should in any way have their life or liberties taken away from them. At most, they should have that comic book taken away from them. You know, so why? Why? It's not worth the effort. It's, ah, they're gonna track you down. But Tom King is highly sought after conventions. People love to tell him how much they love his Batman run, and I have not loved any of it except for the Roar of Drugs and Riddles. There are like four issues I really enjoyed of his. No, no, it's it, it has brought us one ray of comfort. And what is that? The Batman monologues. 
<laughs> the all it's always dark and raining and I'm always on a gargoyle. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so like it's dark, dark into my soul. I wonder. Dark like the night. I looked up and didn't see my didn't see my <laughs> roof. It had been taken by the Joker. I missed that roof. <laughs> oh god. My parents died in the alleyway. I miss my parents. I wonder if Alfred loves me because he never told me he did. Except for that one time, but I don't think he meant it. I'm so sad inside. <laughs> Someone hug me. You know, oh god. It was I don't know if he said he was he loved me or he was talking to the bottle of Jim Bean by the floor. <laughs> uh, so Alright, what do you think of the segment? Hope you enjoyed it. What are your thoughts of Heroes in Crisis? I wanna know. I want to hear a reasoned defense of Heroes in Crisis. I do. Because I can't yeah, find one. The... It's bad. Yeah. yeah, and for that positive reaction, there's got to be something that people are latching on to. It's so... just it's hard to see it. And it's hard to see, like, even if you're trying to latch on to something, there, to not see what's coming, yeah. which is the reset. Yeah, I mean, also, you're getting my impression of it. It might be that if you read it yourself, you'd say, actually, this book is good, and Garthon's full of hot air. Like, that's possible, too. But but trust me, it's really bad. Um, <laughs> if you suggest for a comic session review in the future, let me know, and I will probably do so. That's what I do. And also, don't miss an episode. You can follow on Twitch. Like, hey, I like watching things live. So you go get notified. So you can be there live every time. You know what else you can do? Boom! Subscribe in your face. And then everything's better. You can join our special subscriber-only giveaways. And then you can get free stuff. And everyone likes free stuff. It's because it's free. And... It's good stuff. It's heathen dog stuff. Also, you subscribe <laughs> on YouTube, get notifications, zap, 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 and everything will be good there. And then you'll be notified when Max Leo is going live. And if you want to be offended or find someone who agrees <laughs> with your most garrulous opinions, go to Max Leo. <laughs> that flashy subscribe button is hypnotic. Excellent. I mean, oh, that's an accident. Hmm. hmm. If only it was an active, blink, subscribe. <laughs> Except me, I apparently hate free stuff. Yes, heathen dog apparently hates free stuff. He like hates everything though. He hates the oh. viewers, but that's okay. He said that. He, well, he doesn't say he hates them. He says he's not thankful for them. That they should be thankful for him. <laughs> and I'm thankful for Heathen Dog. I really am. Everyone's waiting for a line after that. I'm gonna leave it there. You can make yeah. up your own line. No, is that that that's just a good line? You're confusing me with Max. No, I'm not. So I said he doesn't hate everyone. I said he doesn't just thankful for anyone. Except himself. <laughs> uh, for more Garthon, you can find Garthon videos on YouTube. Find my team-ups in Star Trek Online and other games, mainly with Heathen Dog and other people, including Duncan Idaho. Woo! Woo! Good times. Good times blowing people up in Star Trek or getting blown up. That happens, too. And you can check out my streams Sunday at 9. That will not be happening this week because I will not be here. I'll be uh, leaving on a jet plane. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go. Ooh. Flying by tardigrade? <laughs> I wish it'd be faster. <laughs> Flying by Delta. Oh, he did not gives away free stuff, so he must hate free stuff. Mm. I just thought you hated having stuff, so you were giving it. Or maybe it's a way to spread hate to others. I don't know. The curse it must be spread. <laughs> I have all these extra things. As I sit here in the dark and I wonder, why are these things here? Should not things be other places? My parents are other places. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, 
<laughs> so thank you everyone for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Now we go on to the RNG. What are we talking about this week? Well, first let's talk about Daredevil got canceled on Netflix. Uh. Highly rated, highly watched, good numbers. I did not see that coming. The joke writes itself, but it's very true. I don't know why it was canceled. Uh, the big conspiracy theories, of course, that Marvel is taking all of its toys back because Disney is about to launch its own subscribing service. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Punisher and Jessica Jones are still in production for the next season, right? I know Punisher's just finished production. So that's probably still going to happen. Jessica Jones, I don't know. I'm but, wondering if it could be... Disney kind of leaving its like basically leaving some tendrils in another service so things ultimately feed back to them but taking something that's a little bit more marketable like Daredevil like uh, like Daredevil like really Power Man and Iron Fist yeah, yeah I think they're taking back Daredevil Power Man Iron Fist I think they're going to take back the Punisher but I think they're going to leave Jessica Jones alone because they don't care because mm-hmm. when they're like hey we're building your own movie franchise we need an alcoholic who hates everyone and sleeps with random men no, that's not going to happen. No, I mean, it, like, there's a little bit more disparity with the traditional Disney image. Yeah. But, I mean, you can spin Daredevil a little bit more that oh, way. Oh, absolutely, so, yeah. So, yeah, I think this probably has a lot to do with the... Oh, just trying to match between the subscription services, pairing certain things back, maybe putting other things in development. We'll see how this plays out. But, yeah, it is... Uh, when a show's doing well like that, it is tough to see it canceled yeah. like this. Yeah. When... It's not because of it may not be because of how it was performing, how it's being received, how the production was getting on. It's just all the top level stuff, and that's just uh, yeah. Uh, Heathen Dog says, uh, Disney has to try and get back all the money they lost in Star Wars. Well, not money, but credibility. Mm-hmm. I did not like the last Star Wars film, I didn't hate it. Now, which one was this one? Uh, the which, who even knows the titles one? anymore. So you've got okay. So it was the last big one or the last one that the was last big aired? one? This, uh, okay. so, solo, a Star Wars film. Uh, no one cared yeah. about. That. Oh, I'll be right back. Bye. I don't know what that means. Uh, but yeah, solo, a Star Wars film. I didn't like too much. Um, no one really cared about it. Didn't have good views. The last major film, uh, the Clones Awaken, or whatever it was. Uh. Just didn't seem to make any sense. The Last Jedi and Solo were critical disasters. And they should have been. Wait, Last Jedi was the first of the new series, right? Uh, second one. So, Last Jedi was number two. The Force Awakens is number one. Okay. Yeah, Last Jedi was worse than Force Awakens, certainly. I actually came down on the opposite side of that one. Really? I really like Last Jedi. Like, it is probably my favorite of the films at this point. I need to go back and watch Empire. I haven't done that since I watched Last Jedi. Hmm. But I really ended up liking it because it wasn't... It's kind of like exactly the kind of Star Wars movie I was hoping they would make, like, ever since I was a kid, of just something that was different, subverted my expectations. So right. where it's doing stuff that's not like a traditional Star Wars film, or just more like... like <laughs> he knocks what his makes sense. Dead to me. <laughs> yeah. Elgar so, they reshot a lot of Solo, though. Yeah, I don't know if it's a production blunder, but they reshot it all because they said it was so bad yeah. they couldn't release it. Yeah, and then there was also a little bit of the staff mix-up, too. Yeah, I think there's it was a lot of problems. Director. Yeah, yeah the directors so... went and got... 
Yeah. Max says, as Leander said on my stream, Jalen Punisher already in the cans. They get the last season out. Yeah, that's what I thought, Max. Uh, Shouldn't you be in bed? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's what I thought was going on. So they're going to get one more season out of each of them, certainly. Mm -hmm. But the, I thought Last Jedi. Um, my main problem with Last Jedi, well, I had two problems. I only actually only had two problems with the film. Three. All right, wait. Well, right, here's my main problems. The first one's kind of silly. <laughs> they have ships with skis for salt. Oh yeah. Why? Because Star Wars. Yeah, I it mean, doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Why not a hover vehicle? You need a ski. Well, we need to make giant rooster trails of red salt. Why? I think you'd be trying just, not to do that. I just took those as just like they're so crappy that they kind of need that for a little bit of stability because the hover technology was just so bad. You needed that prop down just so it'd stay upright. That could be it too. Oh, Max is dunking to be on the show again because he woke up to this. Well, <laughs> he's not in charge of the live stream. I, I didn't um, put the pork on the mic because this is electronic. <laughs> oh, there we go. The It was influenced by the Bond film ski chases. Maybe. I can understand. I, I, but, but, but also, the thing that really gets me is, like everyone else, how the death of Luke Skywalker was handled. Some people say it was a great close to the character. Like the, he lived in the Force and the Force killed him. <laughs> Meow. That um, was important this time. <laughs> I, I I don't buy that. I mean, why? What would be so wrong with giving the fans like a great moment where Luke Skywalker like pulls down a whole bunch of uh, giant eight adats, right? What'd be yeah, so wrong I, with that? What'd be wrong with giving the super uber Jedi moment to everyone? And then giving him the Obi-Wan moment where Kylo Ren flips down and, says, and why he gives enough time for him to escape. You, you do that. You do the very obvious thing, which everyone wanted and would have liked. The only complaint would have been, well, that was obvious. Where Luke gives everyone the time to escape by distracting everyone. And then at the end, he lets Ky Kylo Ren cut him down and with the old, cut me down, I'll come back more properly than you can imagine. And then, why not? Why not? Well, it's obvious. So what? So is blowing things up in space. It's yeah. Star Wars. There's you know. there's a couple of ways you can go about that one. The what I liked about that ending was that it was basically Luke. It was he was just messing with them. I mean, that's right. what it really comes down to for me. And, and that I was, was just, fine with that until he died. Yeah, and that was just kind of the the dying part is like okay, it's sort of giving giving him closure, and I can see that. But it was sort of the the lead up to that scene was like okay, that kind of buys it off for me essentially there's definitely ways I would have handled it differently if I was doing it. Um, generally, just extending that to the rest of the Empire because it really kind of comes down to Kylo Ren's failure in that moment. Like, why there wasn't more to it. So, there was some good... There was a good, good scene with all the AT-ATs firing, yeah. and that was good. But I, I would have played that up a little bit more. Right, like, right. Having that, that him whole thing needed to be played entire, up. Like, even if you kept the current mechanics, him jumping between AT-ATs and them firing on each other. I mean, that, I yeah, mean, that would have been better. Yes, yeah. that would have been. See, right there, you just made the film better. Because it feels static. That's where that scene doesn't have as much weight as it could be because it is very, yeah. it's a very static scene. It's a very static confrontation. It moves a little bit, but it could have definitely moved a lot more. So, but at the same time, for me, it's like, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I would have done it differently, but it's not something that's a deal breaker, let's just say. All right. 
Max says no one's thinking about the, the Last Jedi unless they work for Disney and are contractually required, or they're <laughs> bad people who should be called. What if you just like Porgs? What if you just <laughs> like Porgs? I mean, I was not expecting Porgs to have a role in that movie, like as they did, and that was just for me. I mean, all that comedy was just—I <laughs> loved cool. it because it, it, it helped manage the tone, and that's where oh. it was really for me. I like that style of movie a lot better. That can really kind of play to both ang- angles and really knows that it doesn't have to take itself too seriously. It's kind of like the anti-DC universe Batman navel gazing. I'll give you that, but the thing is, then they shouldn't have taken themselves so seriously the rest of the film. Yeah. <laughs> at least um, at least, uh, Return of the Jedi has... You got the silly Ewoks, but they never take themselves seriously the entire film. Except for, like, one scene where... Set the Death of the Luke part. Or, oh, well, actually, for I was going to go for um, just to recreate that one scene where they take the Ewok seriously. Oh, uh, yeah. That one really, the sad moment. The sad the Ewok. Ewok moment. When he tries to push him and he's like, oh, he's not moving. Oh. Why is that? Well, I remember when I watched that guy. How old was I? I was really young. I was, I couldn't have been 10 when that happened. But I remember as a kid being, oh, the Ewok's dead. You know, I remember being sad. When I was a yeah. kid, that film was awesome. And then you get I, older, and you're like, that film's not that good. It's really mm-hmm. a bunch of Muppets. <laughs> and but the like thing that. is, I think that, I don't know. Well, it's just the puppetry there. That, yeah. that I do I do really like it when they do do the like the Jim Henson practical effects and sci-fi. Yeah, me too. I like that a lot. Except, have you ever seen, this is kind of off topic. Oh, we are uh, talking about Star Wars. We are talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, was it the second or first of the prequels where they're in the, it had to be the first one in the Jedi council room, like the Jedi council talking together and you see Yoda in the original release, it was a puppet and mm-hmm. it looked terrible. Yeah. It would like, it looked, looked really creepy and didn't move quite right. It was like, and then they end up CGing it in for the DVD releases and every other subsequent release. And it looks good. Actually, I was downvoting this video. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. You know, Max, you do it. You're validating Heathen Dog, and I know you don't want to do that. But the that was a good use of CG because Yoda looked terrible in that. Stop protecting the. But uh, I usually do appreciate the practical effects more. Sometimes CG yeah. makes it really weird. Yeah, and like, then yeah, kind of like oh god, there was one scene my. Uh, the one thing I like about episode one at this point, there was one reaction shot um, during the pod race to what looked like a mutant big bird. And they just dubbed over the most ridiculous voice before that racer crashed. Yeah. That's the one part of the movie I really still like. It's just <laughs> that bizarre, just out of place. And it's a static puppet too. It has no articulation. It's just someone waving it on a stick. <laughs> It's like, why? Why? It just sort of takes me out. I'm just like, okay, can Mystery Science Theater this one? I like how Willow's in the crowd. <laughs> I did not see. Her. Oh, God. Uh, I, I forget the actor's uh, name all of a sudden. Uh. Warwick Davis. Yeah, Warwick Davis is there, but he looks like he's dressed a lot like Willow, and he's uh, in that crowd. It's canon. <laughs> to me, I've always Willow. thought, well, it has to be Willow. It's clearly Willow in the crowd. Willow is Star Wars He's canon, an older, though. more wizened, traveling the universe Willow. And he ended up at a pod race. I saw Willow for the first time in grad school, and that's probably the perfect time to watch that movie. 
when you're, you're you can you can kind of just not take it seriously in any respect and enjoy the witch fight. I saw it in like seventh grade and I really liked it. So I guess you either have to be young enough not to be able to poke holes into it too much or yeah. old enough to forgive it. Or old enough that you've already graduated beyond just poking holes and you're just like, yeah. Yeah, I just need something to kill this afternoon. Yeah. So it was a, well, it was a fun film. It deserved a sequel, I thought. Uh, wait, aren't they still making that? <laughs> a Willow sequel? I've heard talk about Willow it, it 2. It gets rumored every few years. Yeah. And it, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. Labyrinth is much more likely. <laughs> I thought they were actually in pre-production for Labyrinth. I know they're actually making uh, The Dark Crystal. <clears throat> that's an interesting one. That's getting made. That's happening. What else were we going to talk about? There's something else we wanted to talk about in RNG. Oh, the other Netflix, uh, Netflix yes! things getting greenlit. Or kind of. He then was not here to talk Yvonne... anime, but you could let us know. Yeah, so Evangelion, the original anime, the good one, um, is coming to Netflix finally. It's finally getting an online release after so long of just being sort of lost to the ether because I think it's a matter of the original production, like the distribution company, um, went bust, broke up into a bunch of different uh, entities. And it really hasn't gotten on the streaming or digital distribution bandwagon yet. Right. So, um, yeah, it's the, uh, it, it's one of the just sort of, it's definitely not an anime for everyone, but it's one of those sort of seminal moments in the medium where you have someone who's at least trying their darndest <laughs> to try to get, um, to try to get something out there that rises above the standard level and that's i think the um the lead creative um behind the project is anno it goes by his name i can't i'm blanking on his full name but he um he, he's really just trying to make it as much as like as deep as possible to really show it's you know a strong creative art form and doing so through the medium of a giant robot anime that is absolutely punishing you for having expectations about what a giant <laughs> anime is supposed to be about every single thing it does is basically you're fooling yourself about yourself and that's the entire anime it's just you're fooling yourself about yourself you need to take you basically you need to stop this escapism and yet As the anime is insanely popular. Do you think people who watched it initially realized that? Um, it's sort of one of those ones where you, it's almost kind of like you relate so much that even though it is criticizing its audience, at least by a certain take of it, it's doing so in a way that's trying to help you. So okay. you get the message, even if the message isn't positive yourself. So it's one of those really sort of interesting forms of criticism where you're taking it and you're sort of learning from it. It's kind of like, you know, watching children of men or some like right. a really serious drama. Uh, actually, this is Blade Runner's getting anime treatment as well. I heard something about that. Interesting as well. But yeah, it's where an anime is really sort of launching from wish fulfillment to really sort of that serious drama sort of critiquing that right. and critiquing yeah. the entire genre and even the medium. And if his and goal was to like elevate anime as a genre, it's, generally not worked <laughs> well he did it in his own release but it de definitely didn't stem the tide and didn't stem the dynamics and didn't really inspire people I... to the heights that he wanted and that's probably been why the movies that have been trying to relaunch the series um by retelling the story and going in a different direction with the subsequent ones um 
those have been really delayed because yeah. in part because of depression by the lead creative guy behind the project and it's been really hard for him to work on it because you know it it, it must be hard looking at what his work has become and even the things that he was trying to critique are exactly what people attach to in just sort of taking his work completely uncritically right. and just then just complaining about the ending like oh it just wasn't very good and then just taking the first part on ironically so it's it's a really fascinating just to dive into not necessarily to like because again it's a very peculiar um psychological take on the genre but to at least see how the storytelling is playing out and how characters are being used it is a fantastic mechanical exercise to dig through there and really get to the creative mind behind the project through the art form so it is it is something to really dig into um and really you know try to appreciate both at the immediate artistic level but also the cultural level so i'm really excited that it's finally yeah. getting on Netflix. well i'm actually excited about that because i've only ever seen like the first two vhs tapes like the first six episodes yeah uh, that and... i borrowed from uh boomerang 66 or azure 66 that goes by now when we were in the military together and because that was the only way to get anime at the time was you generally yeah. bought it at suncoast or something and so yeah, that's how i that's how I got into my first few series, and it wasn't only until later that I was able to stream even my favorites like Cowboy Bebop in full, right. Pat Labor in full, all that. So, yeah, um, talking like this had to be like 98, 99. So there was no streaming. That that didn't happen. Yeah, I was. I remember buying um, Pat Labor VHS through the uh, Manga Entertainment catalog, and that was a that was yeah. that was actually just as sort of an event in itself of just being able to do that because otherwise you're just sort of like bouncing between blockbusters just trying to see see what like was trying there. to get a complete picture yeah. of anything so you ended up just seeing a lot of Jesus. yeah i remember that of something marhaka says dbs was also good what's dbs oh dbs um dragon balls super no yeah i'm not i'm blanking on that one too dragon ball sigma uh, I, don't know. I don't know. Cowboy but, Bebop uh, is getting live action on Netflix. Oh yeah, that too. So, I've seen Cow Cowboy Bebop's on Netflix. I've seen most of that. That's a neat series. Yeah. I um, there's a um series. Dragon by... Ball Super. Ah, that's what I said. Okay. The um, the same production company. Um, I think this is early. It is definitely earlier. Kind of had tried the concept before, but more of a sort of um classic sci-fi a little more trite but very interesting um for the characters um version of that um called that lost art and i just recently found the complete dvd collection i bought that up right away i heard of that <laughs> at, at, at used bookstores so i'm just like ah oh, that's really cool it's more hokey but at the same time it's sort of more watchable it kind of it, it strikes an odd balance where it's just it just becomes more easily digestible and that sort of takes away from it so you you can't appreciate it anywhere as near as much artistically, but then it's just like, you know, I just want something fun to watch yeah. tonight. I'm just going to dig into the crazy towel magic. It's also like very much like it has similar inspirations like Firefly did. So it tries to fuse um, Chinese mysticism with, uh, and just really sort of, you know, like Taoist magic with um, Western sci-fi and ends up something that kind of feels slightly Firefly-ish. That's interesting. 
But um, but yeah, that's Cowboy or that's Outlaw Star. But yeah, Evangelion coming out. That's something I recommend people check out. But just be warned, you might just come out of that feeling <laughs> feeling sad and hating yourself. Feeling sad and hating yourself in some respect, or at least especially like if you just watch the anime episodes by themselves, the ending is very metaphysical or very just sort of abstract because of how that production basically had to just wrap it up with whatever they had left. Kind of like the end of the Akira film. It's like, mm-hmm. what is this? Why are there line drawings in circles? What the hell happened? Yeah. And then the, um, and, but yeah, but the ending is basically given a complete treatment through the movie end of Evangelion, which That's is cool. even darker, <laughs> even darker. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it basically is kind of like you get this really optimistic take through the anime and then the realistic take through End of Evangelion. You just sort of have to put those together and find some perspective out of that. But it's another great exercise. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like most everyone dies and humanity now is living in a completely different medium, which isn't necessarily step up, but at the same time isn't necessarily extinct either. It's just we're sort of trying to deal with it. And Wow. All we got left is our internal pain and trying to express that. We don't really get there. And oh god, yeah, it's End of Evangelion is something that may be best read <laughs> through a wiki. It sounds intriguing, it's, but sad. It's very intriguing, but very sad. Well, I got the right impression then. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that's time to move but on, it, everyone. But yeah, Evangelion though, definitely check that one out. Yeah, just, all right. Thanks for letting us know about that, Duncan. And thank you for guest hosting with me. So. Here is our. What were you gonna say, someone? I heard a. <gasps> or I was basically gonna say you're thankful. I don't know about Max and Heathen Dog right ah, now. Ah, they're quiet. thankful too. <laughs> Otherwise, it would just be me, and I'd be talking about things no one cares about. I'd be talking about you know Jack Kirby. He was a guy. Tom King Evangelion. Oh God, no. Oh God. I'm, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Daily schedule. Hey, it's one December. It's the last day of this. Ah, uh, probably gonna stay about the same. So Sundays, you got me teamed up. Not this Sunday. Most Sundays, we see the dog. We play Star Trek Online with you, the viewers. Unless there's Foundry, in which case we just play Foundry missions and rate them, review them, good stuff. Mondays, you got Shroud the Avatar with Elgarian. Mighty Mondays, Superhero Games. And also at 8 p.m., Sins of Solar Empire. Ooh. Star Trek Armada Mod. Are you still doing that, Heathen Dog? I thought you were doing something else. I thought you were doing Call of Cthulhu. Anyway, Monday night, Heathen Dog. Tuesday, Shroud the Avatar of the Day. Tolkien Tuesday at night. Wednesday, Wildcard Wednesday, any game, any genre. Elgarian is crazy. Uh, Thursday, Trek and Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Central. Elgarian, Call of Duty, yeah, I thought so. Elgarian plays alone, but then at 8.39 Eastern, he teams up with Garth and Heathenog, and all three of them are playing Discovery Era characters, leveling them up, seeing how that goes. It's been fun so far. As uh, two heroes with balloon guns chase around Tilly's uh, great-grandfather and annoy him. Um, Just to let you know, I did send Heathen Dog something that he might be able to deploy in counter to what you guys have been doing. <laughs> oh, I oh, tried to level the play. A large field. pin. The uh, Friday is Fearful Friday, 6.30 p.m. Spooky games with Elgarian. That's too spooky for me. I, I avert my eyes. And on Saturday, you have the Legion with Weekly live stream at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, Central, 9 Eastern. Heathen Dog, Garthon, special guest hosts. Excitement all the Yay. time. Here's the individual schedule. You can memorize it. Uh, that's right, Garthon's comic poll. 
during the live stream. You got to watch that. It's the best part. And, you know, it's at the end. So, you know, near the end. Thank you for watching. Let's go full screen on this. Ooh. Remember, Max Leo streams on YouTube because he is too extreme for Twitch. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, see Max Leo stream. He must he plays games poorly and speaks elusively upon many topics, nerd topics, under topics with you, the viewers. Get with Max Leo. 12 p.m. Central. YouTube. Is that extreme enough? I think that's pretty extreme. That's very extreme. They're curmudging gun for heathen. I like it. Interesting topics and guests. Heathen Don, Leander, Sheris. The recent topics include Tom King sucks. Batman doesn't suck. Does Shira suck? Who knows? Talk to him. Give your opinion. All opinions are welcome. All comedy is valid. With Max Lee on YouTube. Algarian streams every day. We just talked about that. We gave, we broke it down for you. Shred the Avatar, premier stream from Bulgarian, as well as many others every day, buddy. Don't forget, RPO, the premier role-playing site for Shred the Avatar, rpo.com, the premier help site for Shred the Avatar, sodahelp.org. Giveaways, every single soda stream from Bulgarian. Shira does suck, he did not confirm it. There's a hey. joke there. Uh oh well, uh, wasn't that part of the previous RNG talking about the, um, the, the that new style? No time on the exit. Join us on Discord. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Watch us on YouTube. Watch live on Twitch. Look for us there. You'll love it. Audio version. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Fine, Podcast, Argument, everywhere. Support Legion Myth through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Legion Myth. A Streamlabs donation. Twitch.streamlabs.com slash Legion Myth. Getting our gear. Shop.spreadshirt.com. Impress your friends. Intimidate your enemies. Find love in your least with gear. Or cheers through Twitch. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for being there. Thank you to Duncan Idaho. Thanks for all of our fans watching. You have only one life, my friends. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great diurnal anomaly. I'm doing the thumbs. Shh.